Join the game of musical chairs. Welcome to Handapod. Hello, welcome. And by Dan, who I think has now decided which chair he's going to sit in. For the moment, yes. Hello. For now. Uh, if you hear any scraping in a little while, then it will be because he's changed his mind again. Um, the results, since we last chatted, the results that we're going to talk about anyway, uh, are quite easy. I could do this from memory. Argentina 2, Panama 0. And I said from memory, and I almost said Trinidad and Tobago then instead of Panama, which would have been uh, embarrassing. I said. And Argentina 2, Curaçao, nil. No, that's not right. That's no. not memory, is it? Argentina 7, Curaçao, nil. It's almost the same shape number. Well, did you switch off after half an hour? A pun? Well, that makes sense. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, no. I, I watched... Half an hour, 28 minutes? Or? I rewatched the entire thing. Uh, I didn't rewatch the entire thing. I watched the entire thing. Ooh. On a replay last night. Um, so Argentina still can't score four goals because they score two, they score five, they score seven, but they can't score yeah. four. Yeah, yeah, and, and Messi still can't score four because he scored five and he scored three mm. as he did against Curacao. And Lautaro Martinez can't score any kind of goal. No, apparently. no, he really can't. Even when he's got it on a plate. Yeah, but he's a great MC. Mm. Um, we will go through Argentina's matches. I think well, we've begun to talk about them already anyway, but I think it's the logical jumping off point um, for the episode I was first of all I thought let, let's let's give some uh, a, a very quick bit of credit you know we might talk about them in a bit more depth later but there's also every chance we might forget so I'd, I'd like to give some credit to both of the opponents really which perhaps sounds a bit weird given that Curacao got beat 7-0 but as Dan said for an awful lot of the first half Curacao held out much better than we were expecting them to. Mm. And then for an awful lot of the second half as well, admittedly when Argentina were stepping it down a couple of gears, but they held out and kept it at, at 5-0, which was the half-time score, pretty much almost until the end, I think it was, wasn't it? And then uh, Argentina yeah, got a couple, of, scored, late a couple of late goals. Um, so well done there. And Panama, I've not yet got round to looking up whether what we said last week about it being a youth team was actually correct. I started to suspect it might not be. No, it was uh, a B team. They were rather, rather doughty in their resistance um, for really most of the match. Was it 75 minutes before Argentina made it 1-0? Oh, I think it was. And thanks to Diego Almada, a player with, who's not in the first... I mean, you don't... You, you, you will not imagine that Diego Almada will be the, the scorer of the op- opener and th- and thanks to that Argentina were more comfortable then because mm. I think they played it like quite comfortable uh, and uh, watching that they couldn't score then it was uh, uh, I wouldn't say worrying but uh, not not winning Panama would have been a bit embarrassing 
and that's why I think they they started playing against Curaçao with all all of their lights turned turned yeah. on. That was more intense. Yeah. Um, I've now just had a really quick look at the lineup that Panama fielded for their one nil away win over Costa Rica yesterday uh, in the Concacaf Nations League. It looks to me as if two of the players were the same, unless they just happen to have the same name, which is always a possibility. Um, but yeah, it does look, therefore, very much as if... I think Lochelso and Nicolás González were the two players that didn't play in the first match mm. and were... On the Argentina side, yes. On, on Argentina side, yeah, I'm just talking about Panama, because we ah. mentioned last week that Panama was supposedly coming down, with, down there with a youth team. And I, was, I, I became uncertain, as mm. I said, because they, they, looked, they defended like Trojans um, for a very long time. Um, and they played it seriously, uh, both of them, because while there were, when there was a foul, for, for, for example, I think number seven of Curaçao, I don't remember her, his name, of course, uh, when he received a foul, he was anger, un- angry. It, it wasn't a, like they wanted to be the partner, but they were, but uh, uh, they weren't a bit <laughs> quite happy with that. No, no, totally, yeah. Um, it was... It was worthy opponents. Um, Lionel Messi got his the 800th goal of his career uh, against Panama. He made it 2-0 in the 89th minute after, as Andres says, Thiago Almada had opened the scoring with a rebound from a Messi free kick that hit the post, which in fact was Messi's second free kick. And the miss from Paredes, that he wanted to, mm. to score. and He was determined. And Panama just kept giving him them free kicks. I think it was part of the deal, like they put up a strong defensive effort, but in return they give Messi a thousand chances to score from a free kick. Yes, indeed. Which he... Not a bad bargain. Did? In the end? Did he did, yes. a free kick, wasn't Of he? course he did, yeah. Because yeah. it was, you know, this whole thing has been but like a storybook ever mm. since um, the World Cup. So obviously Messi was going to get his 800th goal, 800th goal in the last minute in front of a packed Monumental from a free kick. Indeed, and he then hit his 100th goal for Argentina, mm. and also his 101st and 102nd goals for Argentina, uh, which means he becomes the first... I, I didn't realise this, or rather I had forgotten this, but he's only the third man overall, uh, but the first South American man to score 100-plus goals for a uh, in international football, uh, the second South American player after Manta to do so. Cristiano Ronaldo and Ali Dai... Dai... Not quite sure. I can never quite remember which order those vowels go in. There's a lot of vowels. I've never actually heard it said out loud. Daya? Something like that? Um, Wasn't he the Southampton player who was supposedly someone's cousin? No. Was that not Ali Dai? No, because uh, that bloke didn't set a world record for most international goals that Cristiano Ronaldo... No, but I think that was his name. I think you're confusing the two, possibly, in nomenclature. Ali Dai? Is regarded as one of the greatest Asian footballers of all time. He's an Iranian football manager and former player. No, I can't. That bloke was supposedly George Weah's cousin, I think. Yeah, but he was called Ali Dai, definitely. Was he? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's spelled differently. Let's see. Ali Dia. D I A. Yes. He's a Senegalese former professional footballer who played as a striker. Uh, yes, I think that's him. Yes. Okay. So Ali Dia is. The Not George Ware's cousin. Who isn't George Ware's cousin. Um, and Ali Daye... Daye? I apologise if we have any Iranian <laughs> listeners in particular. 
but I've I'm just about I think yeah no I'm just I've simply never heard this guy. So Wikipedia not give a phonetic. Spoken. Well, that's a good question. I've yes, they do. I don't speak phonetic, but die. Sam might. Yeah. Die. Okay. I knew you wouldn't let me down, Sam. Doesn't tell me what syllable you stress, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't really read it. Either. I read just about enough to get to Excellent. to know what those symbols mean. Um, so yes, Ali Dai is. On, I think it was 109 international goals, so he's seven ahead of Messi. And Ronaldo, I think, is on at 118 yes. at the moment. And he retired in 2006, so that number's no, not think, likely to go up. No, that one's not going really to go I, I think that uh, one of the uh, great things that could ha- have happened was would have been that uh, Messi to lower the bridge with he that Cristiano Ronaldo has with him, but he also scored four goals mm. in both of the matches of the qualifiers for the Euro. I think that's going to so, keep happening as long as. Both of them keep playing shit opposition, yes. really. Yes. So it could be very interesting, because I know yes. Argentina's next two are probably shit. Yes, Portugal played against teams similar to Curaçao and Panama, but on official competition, because Luxembourg and Liechtenstein, you know, also have... Mm. Yeah, Luxembourg have improved in recent years, I, I keep hearing. So. Yes, but I think it's fair to say that they're not... Um, they're not Portuguese. They shouldn't be calling, causing Portugal any problems. No. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about... Any of that? Right. Why are we here then? We uh, so yeah, the Panama match was decent. Yeah, I mean, it would have been really frustrating if it meant anything. Um, put a little bit of a damper on the party, maybe. Maybe. Uh, right up until it got going again, just in time for full time in the weird twenty six. World Cup trophy presentation. Yes, there was a presentation of, of the the replica World Cup, the replica World Cup, and all of the, the players' little replica yeah. World Cups as well, which was quite sweet. Uh, Messi gave a speech. He said, "Don't get used to this. It's going to be very difficult to defend it," which I thought was really good, actually, given that you know the, the temptation to really go yes. big and glorify me, like, "Yes, we're definitely going to to win it again in the United States." Although, as Andres pointed out to me before we start recording. There is now a statistic which shows that Argentina are hundred percent guaranteed to defend the World Cup. Oh, yeah, remember this? Well, yes, there is. This is uh, similar to the uh, impossible to to check. I mean, Brazil also uh, won two nil and seven nil after winning nineteen fifty eight World Cup, and then they won nineteen sixty two. Oh wow! That's yes. the idea that well uh, makes Argentina dream with mm-hmm. doing the same. But uh, that was the last. Yes, they were the last team to defend it, weren't they? Yes. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, of course, because that was what everybody was uh, saying that France had the chance to equal. The exact same results. Of course, it's something that they really well. Uh, perhaps lottery things, but uh, mm. if you're at least Kimmes already have one coincidence to kick off their commercial of three years or four years. <laughs> I'll tell you say probably as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, in the second match against Curaçao, which was held in the Estadio Madre de Ciudades in Santiago del Estero. Beautiful was... stadium, I have to say. I can't help but underline this. Um, it might be a gigantic white elephant, but it's a really, really attractive white elephant. Mm. Like, I've never been as attracted to an elephant as I think to this elephant, <laughs> if I can be so bold. Half the crowd uh, that uh, went in, into the monumental because of the capacity, of course, but similar passion and people that weren't able to, to enter into the stadium were 
anyway there with the mm. which was reasonable and, and it was also clear that it would happen but uh, yeah it was good it seemed to be you know just scanning around the crowd lots of um uh people from Tucumán got down there i think i saw some salta based teams in the crowd as well yeah. obviously santiago letero so you know taking it to uh to a region which doesn't see a whole lot of international football or at least didn't before this stadium opened yeah totally and you know because it's not one of the wealthiest parts of argentina might not have the means either to to go to you know games in buenos aires or cordoba mm. uh, i know you i know you're a skeptic sam but no, I'm even a, considering the ridiculousness of the stadium. No, I'm, I still kind of like it. I'm a skeptic of uh, why, why governors want to build these stadiums in mm. in their provinces. And I mean, yeah. I, I heard that it was more than forty years since uh, Argentina national team becoming champion went to the mm. interior because uh, I think the Bilardo team weren't only playing in Buenos yeah. Aires City. Mm. Um, the goals came after 20 minutes, after some initially spirited Curacao resistance. In fact, after the first 10 minutes or so were pretty even. Curacao didn't really let Argentina get much of a foot. I mean, aside from that horrendous Martinez miss. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, 20 minutes in, uh, Argentina opened the scoring with a bit of a rarity, a right-footed goal mm-hmm. for Lionel Messi. Um, his, oh, I read a breakdown of all of his Argentina goals earlier. I think it's his 11th right-footed goal for Argentina. Um, Nicolás González scored a header after a bit of a bounce around from a corner uh, a couple of minutes after that. And then Curacao held out very doubtily for 10 minutes uh, and then were hit with three goals in three consecutive attacks mm. by Argentina. The first for Messi, Messi's second of the game. Enzo Fernández, who hit his... With, I mean, it was from the edge of the box, and I think if he'd been about 15 yards further out, the goalkeeper still wouldn't have moved a muscle before it hit the net. It was really moving. Yeah. It, it, yeah. He, he hit it viciously uh, with an assist from Messi, and then Messi completed his hat-trick uh, in pretty much the next attack after that. So three goals in three minutes, basically, to make it 5-0 for half-time. Angel Di Maria scored a penalty after 78 minutes, having come on uh, to replace Giovanni Mocelso about an hour in. Oh, an hour and a bit in, in fact. Uh, and the hero of the penalty shootout in Lusail, Gonzalo Montiel, put the finishing touch on it. Um, he felt to score the last goal, the latest. Yes, indeed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, finishing off Paolo Dybala cutback. About 30 seconds after coming on, wasn't it? Like, I hadn't even realised he was on the pitch. Uh, Although my attention was waning at that point. According to this, this doesn't say he did come on. I think he might have started now. Mm. Yes, he, he was the starting one. Montiel, yes. Montiel, you mean, do you? Ah. No, I didn't mean Montiel. No, he uh, played okay. for shows just about, as uh, about how much in attention. Yes, indeed. Yes. Basically, I'd have, a hard, <laughs> I'd, have a, I'd have a hard time naming any of Argentina's defence last night because they were not particularly... Uh, no, he was the right back. Well, one of them was a first choice, first choice in inverted commas, of course, but Nicolás Otamendi started. Uh, Montiel, Germán Petzela and Marcos Acuña were the others. And most importantly of all, Lisandro Martínez just had a nice relaxing sit-down throughout. So he's going to be able to... Most, most important of all, Xielas Chelsea's back. Yes. Two assists at least last night. Mm. And quite nice ones. Yeah, he set up Messi's opener. Yes. He set up Messi's hat-trick goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, that's, that's what his two assistants have. But thing is Very that, nice. of course, you will, you will. Uh, it's funny because the the number of the t-shirt in which he, which with, with which he played, 
and, and who was he, who used to wear that number of the t-shirt? Go on. 17. Yes. Who was the owner of that t-shirt? I'll let you answer. Papu Gomez. Oh, right, yeah. Yes. You reckon that was deliberate? Suspicious. Like, fuck you. And this, this feels... And witches. That funny theory, but... Yeah, Incredible. Yeah. It's slightly less obnoxious than, than Papu Gomez, I must admit. And probably a better footballer. And the other thing that was yeah. strange for these uh, people that are, are, are sure that this theory is true is that when, when the poll referred to, to Papu Gomez, he said, yeah, it's a pity that Alejandro or Ale isn't, isn't with us. Why didn't he say Papu instead of Ale? That is another thing. This is like when your parents um, yeah. call you Daniel or Samuel when they're angry with you. Yeah, if an Argentine stops, stops calling you by their nickname, you know you're in trouble. It's not a good sign. Yes, if you say Juan, Rom, Juan Riquelme instead of Roman, Ooh. Yeah. you hate him. Um, yeah, I, I once had um, a little good authority. Oh, Joel uh, told me once that Juan Sebastián Verón really does not like it if you call him Juan. It's yes. Seba. And, and he, uh, he stares daggers at you if you call him Juan. Does not like it at all. Um, and just a note apart, you'll probably have just noticed a very dramatic drop in background noise. Uh, it just suddenly started absolutely pouring with rain. There's obviously not much we can do about that. But, yes, um, on my um, dad did run tin out to just, kind of roof to close the door out to his. Uh, I was going to say greenhouse, but it isn't a greenhouse, is it? It's just a back bit of your house with, as you said, a yeah. tin roof, which was making it extra loud. Yes, a legal extension, if you like. So you'll have to put up with it if you hear uh, a pitter patter in the background again. But, um, yeah, we, we, we've fended off the worst of it, hopefully. We're just happy to have rain, to be honest. We are indeed, yes. Um, but have we had any before the last one we recorded? I can't remember. Yes, it rained... Oh, no, over the weekend, didn't it? So yes. Friday, Friday night. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're not a weather pod- podcast. I mean, we are sometimes, around this time of year particularly, but uh, let's move on. Um, oh, talking about the weather, the players looked very warm last night in Santiago del Estero. Mm. Don't know if you saw, they came in, they came out with these um, uh, World Cup 2030 t-shirts, mm-hmm. uh, to sing the anthems, and there was some sweat coming through already, like, and this was before kickoff. It was about 32 degrees, I think, in Santiago still, yeah. at 8.30 at night. Yeah, temperatures are starting to drop. Starting to transition towards autumn, but it did warm up a little bit for a couple of days, yes. and now it's probably going to get cold again. Under the and Santiago is always Cold-ish. very, very hot. And yeah, Santiago is always warmer than here. Um, another discovery that I made while re-watching, or watching the match. So I, I went to the theatre last night, which is why I keep saying re-watching. I saw him catch the match live. Um, it wasn't a very good play. The, the match itself would have been far better entertainment, but anyway. Um, was that uh, the tradition of magnificent Dutch footballer names holds true in former Dutch colonies as well. Mm. Um, admittedly, I then later discovered that about half of the team are just Dutch, like they were but born and brought up in the Netherlands. I think the funniest is the reason. goalkeepers. Room, room, yes. room like room. Yeah, and, room. And there was a lot of room for the, for the goals, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the two Bakunas, one of whom has played in the Premier League, or does play in the Premier League, Vernon Anita. Kuko Martino, Roshan van Eijba. We need Remy here really to tell us how all these are supposed to be pronounced. Jurian Khari. Um, Cheryl Florenus, the left back. Mm. I presume that that isn't how that's said, but it, it's, it's a good name. 
And then some of the ones on the bench are brilliant. Have a look uh, if you have a live score app. Just have a look for Argentina's um, Argentina's most recent friendly and just check out the Coruscant lineup. I must say, got very excited in particular over one of the subkeepers. Well, I'm not reading properly, and it seemed to be Trevor Doombush, hmm. but it's an RN Dornbush, which Dornbush isn't quite is, as fun. No, but I had a few my moments of. Um, ecstatic happiness when I saw that because Doombush would be a great goalkeeper surname I think yeah and, and there's an, I, I'm enjoying the mix I guess because they're Caribbean mm. there's, there's, there's this kind of mix of Dutch sounding names and slightly Latino sounding names uh, but then one of the substitutes is called Rishiro Zivkovic yeah why not indeed um but yes we're not all about laughing at people's names or indeed well we're not really laughing we're just enjoying saying them that's good fun. Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, the Argentina team is a fairly dry bunch, so we get our laughs yeah. where we can. Anyway, you, I think you can you can you can be quite sure that there aren't any Curacao listeners. Well, you never know. There might be. There might be. There are yeah. people who live there. <laughs> they have a football team at least. So yeah. there is there is some interest in football. And as I say, they I think there were, there were things that they could be pleased about in the performance, even though they well never really going to realistically stand much of a chance of, of getting a result in the game um, because for quite large parts of the match they did what they could yeah. um, particularly in although it sounds ironic that they conceded five goals before half time but particularly for a lot of the first half no but they, they had a good management of the ball but yeah. of course quite naive especially in defence mm. which which explains the seven goals they, they conceded yeah indeed um from Argentina's point of view, Dan mentioned earlier that their next opponents are unlikely to be uh, of a much higher calibre. This was something that Lionel Scaloni talked about after the match, I think, right? It wasn't earlier today. I read it earlier today. Um, yeah. But he was saying that between the Nations League and the European um, qualifiers mm. for, for the next Euros, Argentina have to find opponents for the... Is it June or July? June, June, right. And they're not sure who they're going to be able to, to get from the no. We know the level. continent where the two games will be played, oh, which is Asia. Oh, okay. Yes. Why is that? Money. Oh, no, but I meant, like, why do we know this? It's been... Um, I read it somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember where, but it sounded quite Asia? official. No. But they will be in Asia, I believe. Also, also then he said that, though it's, of course, important, the rival you will face... The, the how the Argentinian players uh, take those matches is also important, mm. of course. Uh, and June will be three months away from the starting of the start of the qualifiers. Yes, mm. exactly. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to see the Argentine national team, the world champions in action in their next matches, then you've heard it here first. Book your plane tickets to Asia. Asia, <laughs> right now. It's a pretty small geographical area, so yes. you'll probably be somewhere close to where it's being held. Um, Try to go somewhere in the middle, then it'll probably be easier to find out. Um, yeah. I mean, I assume it won't be Kazakhstan. No, but as you say, that um, is just more or less in the middle, so it would make a sensible starting point for, right. for anywhere else. So go to Kazakhstan in June. Yes. That is our and then, hand of pod endorsed advice. And then wait for further announcements. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it is. On the one hand, I feel like you know Scaloni obviously is saying this because he, he finds it to be an issue. On the other hand, it's the same issue that Argentina were coping with for a few years prior to the World Cup, and then they won the World Cup. So maybe yeah. it doesn't matter all that much. 
No, I mean, I think from from the Argentine and I'll include Brazil in this uh, Brazilian perspective, they basically know what they can do against good teams because they face so many in World Cup qualifying and all of the Coppers America that keep getting played every other year. Mm. They're not lacking competitive games. They might be lacking against um, teams from Europe, but then... You know, yeah, they dispose of Italy a lot easier than they dispose of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So they may be lacking a little bit um, of um, experience at tackling a diversity of tactical approaches, maybe that, that would come. Yeah, from. possibly because half of the managers they face in those competitive matches are Argentine. True. I'm talking about the important stuff. What what this really the, the main goal for these friendlies will be to prepare for the World uh, Qua- yeah. Cup qualifier, and we, there will be six. And a half or six and a quarter. Uh, six and a third, isn't it? Six and a third, yes, we said last week. Uh, spots, so really, I mean, you know, Bolivia won't be there. Mm. Uh, Venezuela perhaps grows a big road, but uh, they have never qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. You, you have to be worse than perhaps Paraguay, Chile, and Ecuador to not, not to qualify. Uh, understanding that Uruguay, Brazil, perhaps. Well, I think you're being a bit harsh on, on Ecuador there because they did finish third. Yes, yes, of course. Qualifiers just gone. But yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we know what you mean. It, it would be not only a shock of seismic proportions if Argentina weren't to qualify for this one, but really even more unforgivable than it would be anyway for Argentina and Brazil to, to fail to qualify, or yeah. for Argentina or Brazil to fail to qualify. Um, I mean, you just need to come out of the blocks quickly, I think. If you win, you know, four out of your first six games, pick up 15 points, say, you know, you've got one foot in the World Cup already. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, so I'm just going to have a look at the last round of qualifiers. Oh, sorry, not the last round. The last edition of Commonwealth World Cup qualifiers. Colombia were the team who finished sixth. Mm-hmm. And they got 23 points. So... So yeah, with 15 points, you're yeah, more than with, half the way. With well, seven, definitely more than half the way. With seven wins from... In fact, yeah, and, and Colombia won five of their matches. Mm-hmm. Everybody who finished from Peru in fifth and the playoff place, and, and up, they all won at least seven games. So if you win seven of your matches, you're, you're almost definitely going to qualify. Seven out of 18. Six yeah. and a bit uh, team qualifying. Um, you know, you're going to pick up a few draws there as well. So yeah, you're quite right. If, as you said, if, if you win your first four which Argentina are going to be looking at doing at least. I don't know when they play Brazil in those first four. But no, I don't think so. Um, I've got a feeling that it's in the fifth or sixth round in the mm. third break, isn't it? Um, yeah, then you've got to expect it, or you've got to be confident that you're going to be able to. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's going to be, the, the, these matches in June are going to be about preparing for that, and also, I guess, about trying to maybe integrate one or two of the, the newer the younger kids start getting them into the team because obviously this, this, these two matches we've just had are were in quite large part about mm-hmm. giving fans the opportunity to look at the guys who've just won the World Cup as opposed to necessarily going right, Nicolas Otamendi you're not going to be starting anymore mm-hmm. so we're going to hook you for example Finally Carboni, uh, Buenanote and Parona weren't uh, they didn't have even minutes and weren't out of the, of the bench I think in both matches yeah. uh, but perhaps the idea was to be part of the group, of course, similar to what happened even when it was only one or two training sessions, I think. Claudio mm-hmm. Echeverri, the under-17 future star uh, that plays for Rivers Reserves. And, well, yes, to be there, at least. Not 
yeah. then how many would, would have been good for her, perhaps uh, on Tuesday to have uh, some minutes there? But, yeah, I do no, have one burning also, question, I must say. I also think, sorry to talk over you for yes. a second now, but uh, that with, if you're trying to bring these young players through and, and give, start giving them some experience, start getting them involved, the, the two friendlies that are coming up, which aren't going to be as celebratory of, of you know, let the fans look at the players who just won, won stuff. Unless they blame Bangladesh. It would make some sense to, yeah, okay. But it would make some sense to start giving some of your dual nationals some of those caps that they need mm. to tie them to Argentina as well. Ganacho, Sule, for example. Um, if you've got to give them four caps in the next three years, then why not give them two in June? And to keep an eye on players that... <laughs> I heard that Italy, for example, national team, are planning to call more Argentinian players. Yes, I have like a list of ten, yeah. Another thing that's happened since we last recorded is that Matteo Retegi is the new... Goals. He is the new Batistuta, only he's playing yes. for Italy, not, not for Argentina. The so new people in Italy. In many ways, not the new Batistuta, but uh, in some ways, yes. And the second him. highest scoring Argentine of the, of the round. And now every club in Serie A wants to sign him. Mm -hmm. So that's worked quite nicely for Boca, leaving him out of their squad and pissing him off so much that he wanted to stay on loan. They're now going to get a nice bit of learner from it. Yeah, definitely. It yeah. kind of vindicates what Rodriguez Rotegi's decision back in December saying, you know, in fact, I want guaranteed first time in football to show what I can do. In, He's definitely done that. Yeah. In fact, though, though I think he didn't play for the uh, main team. Bruno Sapelli is another player, Ar Argentinian from Belgrano, I think, under 20s, that have been called up for Italy. Uh -huh. So uh, I heard from River, for example, Lucas Beltran, that they are having interest in, in him. On him. Mm. And well, if this, if this goes on, perhaps. Scaloni should have should keep an eye. I mean, uh, with Mar Laudora Martinez and Julian Alvarez, perhaps he's covered right now. Yeah. But well. Well, not if Laudora Martinez keeps missing chances. <laughs> you know, maybe they do need a bit of a backup. Um, Sorry, my burning question from before. Go on then. What happened in the famed friendly against River? Does anyone know who played? What was the score? Do we know any about this. The, the, uh, friendly? the Argentina team played River in a friendly on Friday. Oh, no, it oh, was yeah. a, a training session with uh, perhaps with, uh, with no referee thing even, I think. So it was a training session, more, more than a friendly. And I think Argentina won 4-1. Okay. But depending who started the score, it was different. Yes, 4-1. According to Teise, um it was played in the Ezeiza training complex, which has been renamed. I don't know whether either of you saw this. Of course. Uh, from yes. being named after, was it Umberto Rondona who was previously yes. named after? No, Julio. Julio. It was Julio. Yes. Okay. Uh, I thought it was Umberto for some reason. Um, but yeah, it's now been renamed after Lionel Messi, so he's training at a training complex that's named after him, which is not quite a stadium named after him, it's like Maradona. But it's, it's a start. You know, it's a step on the road. The funny thing is that uh, I think Armani played for River, but with the Argentinian uh, kit. Ah, uh, really? He okay. played for Argentina. Yeah, I've got the team here actually. Ángel Correa scored two for Argentina, Paolo Nivala scored one, and Nicolás González scored one. Messi didn't play, and Matías Suárez scored for River. And so still couldn't score. <laughs> two, two hours of 30 minutes, though, in fairness, so he only had an hour to score. True, true. Do you want to go through the team then, Dan, if you've got them? Yes. Armani, Montiel, this is Argentina, by the way, not River. Yeah. Uh, Lisandro Martínez, Germán Pezzella, Juan Foyt. So far, of the names that you've gone through, three of that back five... For current or former River players. It is very um, River, this team. They're I'm clearly sure. relying on the Lane LX, aren't they? Yeah. Argentina. Or um, the Lane Actual. Yeah. Lo Celso, 
Ezequiel Palacios, Guido Rodríguez, that's another two X River, Nico González, Lautaro, and Dybala. And then Ruli, Marcos Acuña, Correa, and Gio Simeone came off the bench. So seven X Rivers. Mm. And uh, River had Ezequiel Centurion in goal. Casco, González, Pires, Maidana, and Diaz across the back. Oh, Casco playing it right back again. Mm-hmm. Enzo Perez, Rodrigo Aliendro, Jose Paradera, Nacho Fernandez, Ezequiel Barco, and Lucas Beltran. So, Two X Argentina? Uh, yeah, that's what I was wondering as well. I think Casco definitely got a cap somewhere yeah. along the line. Enzo Perez. Enzo Perez. Yeah. Now, ooh, Nacho Fernandez might have done yes. as well, I think. Some friendlies, I think, with yeah. Sampoli. Mm, I, think he did. I think he got one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So three victories for Argentina. Oh, so Armani played for the national team. I, I heard that the, the other way. Was. And he also played for the national team against Curacao. He, he was a substitute with about half an hour to go, replacing Emiliano Martinez. Um, whose shootout winning antics have now been outlawed. Mm. In a ridiculous and, and uh, shameful decision by the powers that be. Because they just... You have to be Eurocentric and get in the way of, of fun, enjoyable things and the South American passion for the game. Um, yeah, goalkeepers aren't going to be allowed to get all up in the faces of players taking uh, kicks in, spot kicks anymore. And for some reason, they're also not going to be allowed to touch the posts or crossbar before the kick's taken. Really? Yeah, that, yeah. that was like the first thing that IFAB said. The things we're going to ban are... And then it was a bullet list of all the stuff that you were like, yeah, okay, well, they're doing this because they're maybe the other But the very first one was they're not allowed to touch the frame of the goal. Oh. If they do it, they will have a yellow card. So, well, Martinez knows yeah. that... Uh, he's just got to pick his He can do it once yeah. and so, so that he's not uh, sent off. Um, more seriously, though, it will be interesting next time Argentina are involved in a shootout to see, because I am sure that given the way that he approaches them, he's already going to be thinking about what can I do that's within the rules and that can still fuck with the brains of the people who are standing in front of me getting prepared to... I have faith in him. I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve. Yes, we shall find out. Anyway, that's something to watch out for. Um, On the subject of international football and Argentina, there's an interesting report going that Uruguay are close to selecting their new coach. Oh. Care to hazard a guess over who it could be? Jose Pecala? No, but you're in the yes, you're in the right ballpark. I mean, there are many ballpark. Well, you have to get a ballpark Uh, and then guess. Oh, okay. Alfio (laughs) Bassini. Also, right ballpark. Okay, great. But going the wrong way. No, uh, going the right and wrong way because he had two spurs in. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not very much help, is it? Is that? No. Okay. Um. Oh, God, who came after Pekka? Martino? No, because Martino, we're going to talk about Martino in the second yes. half for club reasons. Uh, no, go on. Marcelo Bielsa, apparently, oh, okay. is a step away from taking on the Uruguay job. He's going to, well, no, he's a Paraguay away from completing the Southern Cone mm-hmm. if he does that. I suppose depending on where you start drawing the Southern Cone. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Makes sense. I mean, they've got some exciting young players yeah. and have suffered, especially in the World Cup, from just coaches who had no intention to play football whatsoever. Mm. So having a coach who at least want to play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, uh... And if Bielsa is an international coach, 
coach, you can't knacker his players quite so much. Yeah, <laughs> true, yeah. Which is useful. Indeed. Did Rotecki play Italy's second match of the... He scored uh, in both games. He scored in both? Okay. Yes, which is why I said he was Argentina's second highest scorer in this international window. Ah, OK, I missed you saying that. Um, you did point out after the England match that he became the first Argentine to score against England since... Not like you say. Well, there's some way. Yes. Now on the Argentina stuff, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 2006. Only, only the only the third Argentine to score against England in the current century, after Samuel and, and Crespo earlier in that same match. Because, oh. um, yeah, they didn't score, Argentina didn't score against England uh, in 2002. They did not! They've not played each other since that 2005 friendly, so, yeah. Um, anyway, on that note, we shall go to a half-time break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about club football. Yes, the remember, remember that! The Copa Libertadores draw has been made. Boca Juniors have sacked their manager, mm-hmm. uh, and there's other stuff probably to discuss that I've forgotten about temporarily as well. So we'll refill our glasses and we will be right back. question um, about this first topic but uh, I'm going to I guess we'll, we'll jump to the question first that probably makes most sense because it was what we were going to talk about anyway yeah since we haven't had any other questions yeah fast far let's um, start in. so our first listeners question before the actual listeners question section begins if there is one if anyone else tweets is from Liam Kelly who has no relation oh to we me. can do the second part of Liam's question maybe in listeners questions um, yeah actually that might be yeah well, yeah, yeah, true, yeah. Uh, but Liam's first question, anyway, sent two in the same tweet, is who's next for the poisoned chalice that is Boca? Which yes. is not how it's pronounced. The Just last one, of course, was Anibal Ibarra, who was sacked on... What's today? Today, today is, is Wednesday. Wednesday. So I think Monday, Juan R- Ramón Riquelme yeah. went to play a charity match in Villarreal alongside Martin Palermo at the weekend. Came back. And I'm guessing, like, he went to um, Boca's training ground in Asesa, so I assume he got off the plane, hmm. went to their training ground and just said, Ani- uh, Hugo, sorry, did I say Aníbal just then? Yes, you did, yeah. Yeah, Aníbal Ibarra was a former Buenos Aires mayor who is no relation to Hugo. As far as we know. As far as we know. Um, but he uh, suffered a similar fate. <laughs> we get turtles together. Um... Yes, called Hugo Ibarra in for the dreaded chat. His uh, four-game losing streak in the Liga Profesional outstripped, I guess, the winning of the league just four months ago. Mm. And he was sacked. Yeah. Not completely surprising me. Like, it did seem he might get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt because um, at the weekend, Boca overcame Olimpo. Uh, 2-1 in the Copa Argentina but then that wasn't particularly impressive either so uh, he changed uh, half of the team but it was the same same uh, yeah same shit different day um, and I, I guess it boils down to the fact that um, they didn't think Ibarra was good enough to win a Copa Libertadores which 
I think I agree with. Yeah. Whether any other coach would be with this Boca team is up for debate. Well, we might find out because the man who, if we are to believe whoever works for Boca Juniors and is talking to Tay says uh, journalists uh, while we record this, then possibly by the time this goes online, and that's probably not likely because that would mean they're announcing him in the middle of the night. Um, but um, at some point on Thursday, Gerardo Martino is Ooh, set to be named as Boca manager. And you know, he's been around a little bit in the rest of the world since he last worked in Argentina. And uh, as I always held at the time, particularly when he was at Barcelona, has been rather unjustly maligned in several of those roles, including going on a then record-breaking streak unbeaten for Barcelona, even while everybody was saying what a crap manager he was. Um, but to total change back of, in his homeland, you know, total it, change of profile in in, in it is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. And in fact, one of the of the reasons that I I read a piece and and they say sports news uh, yeah. a website that said that one of the reasons was that the new manager. Uh, we wouldn't have to to do anything with the club, which is, I mean, someone who had, who who didn't play or oh, I see. They wanted someone with yeah, a clean, for, like a clean slate, no yes. connections with anyone who was there. Yeah. Yes, and it it is reasonable since Bataglia, Ibarra are, were from the club and weren't that yeah good enough. I mean, it's also an interesting appointment, just like from the footballing point of view as well, because he's obviously not the most dyed in the wool one, but. I'm struggling to think of any, you know, truly like Bielcista school managers who've been in charge of Boca. Uh, it's it's an interesting one from a footballing yeah. point of view. You know, we've often talked about how Boca uh, win their matches a la Boca. You know, it's it's more of a fight than than uh, a show of football at times. And Martino is more yeah, he's when he a, can. He prefers. He's a bit of a chameleon, I think, um, yeah. especially if. You remember his um, Paraguay team of the True. last decade. Yeah. That was very, very pragmatic and probably a lot closer to what we'd expect with Boca. Um, yeah, but when he was in charge of Newell's, when he was in charge of Argentina, he tried to place an emphasis on attack when he got the chance. And, um, yeah, more, it's going to be I think interesting. more possession than attack. He's, he's yeah, a coach that likes possession, likes his team to always you know, be in control of the ball. And, and he's certainly got the tools to do that. He's got the talent to do that at Boca. Their problem, I think... Yeah, especially at the start of this year, it's just been they haven't had a clue what to do with the ball when mm. when they get it. Apart from you know, boot it. Uh, Sebastian Vichos being crap and expecting him to do something. Yeah, and it's also been a bit of a I think an ego issue as well, right? Because we've talked about how there are plainly better options at Boca, and you know, the very beginning of the year when Rotegi. I guess momentarily, technically, at some point, there must have been a point at which he returned from his loan to Tigre before they loaned him back out where mm. he was in Boca's squad. Um, you know, there are better centre-forward options. There are better options on the wings than mm. Dario Benedetto and Sebastián Misha mm. at the moment, contracted to Boca. And the, uh, you know, the, the, the typical thing, the, the, the celebrity aspect or the, the, the ego aspect, the... the Again, sorry to bring this up occasionally, but as a Man United fan, the problem that United had last season, Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> up front and having, therefore, to play every time he was fit and stuff, you kind of wonder whether maybe Martino might be also just a big enough name to come in and go, right, you're not going to play most matches. I think that is the main reason. Better. You think so, yeah. You think the, so. the weight of the name or the, of the surname, it's 
Mm. I think they, 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 what they look for rather than the style. I mean, sure. because Martino has their, his career and, and if he says, Benedetto, you're going to the bench, I don't think Benedetto can say, who are you to tell me? Mm. If Ibarra is something more that you could fight with. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be um, worth watching. I mean, it's going to be worth watching the soap opera. Mm. <laughs> it may or may not turn out to be worth watching uh, the football. But uh, whatever else happens, it, it, it should be assuming it happens. Yes. And he has a bit of Libertadores track record as well. I remember in 2013, I want to say, he took Newells to the semis. Where only yeah. Ronaldinho and Atletico Monedo stood in their way. And they were very unlucky in that match. I remember it was a mm. cracking tie. Basically, you know, a lot... A big part of that was because Ronaldinho was playing and it was very, very exciting. But you did their part as well. Indeed they did. And that was a lovely segue, Dan. It was almost as if we'd scripted it. We did not. Uh, but when you mention the Libertadores, that's the perfect excuse to mention that the Libertadores group stage has been drawn. Indeed. Disappointingly late in proceedings, because Ooh. we already know the teams who are going to be involved in the Libertadores group stage. So it wasn't as entertaining a draw as it used to be. But we have the groups, and they are as follows. Flamingo, Nublense of Chile. Yes, Bio Bio region in Chile. Yes. Which is one of the better down, named... Back down there. One of right the down better there. named regions. But, oh, yeah, that's a good point. How far south are they? They must be furthest south Libertadores participants ever. I think they Group must stage, be. There are, I was looking into it because I had a brief moment of madness and was looking into the logistics of driving there for... The first <laughs> game, which Racing are playing away. Would it be possible even to drive there? Are they on the road network? It's possible, yeah. There's okay. a um, there's a crossing, kind of at that same altitude. Uh, it's about two hundred kilometers south of Santiago. Uh-huh. So oh, okay. Go, it's not quite as far down. You got there's a crossing just south of like San Rafael, so that would be between Mendoza and Neuquén. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it in nineteen hours, apparently. Oh, okay. Which. Isn't bad, but I'm working next Wednesday, so the I'm is, in that road trip. As, to as find out who, how many goals is Flamengo going to score against them, because I, I think Tachira was the victim of uh, in 2022 group stage with eight goals, uh, yeah. I think one of the matches. Uh, as you might have guessed from what Dan was just saying, Racing are in this group as well, uh, and Alcas of Ecuador are the fourth team in that one. They were great. Big in the 90s had some... Good hits. Remember Miss Jackson? So Very good, yes. Um, Sorry. I mean, that, was, that was more early 2000s, really, though. But anyway. Um, was it not 90s? Oh, no, I would say Miss Jackson was around 2001 or something like that. I'm going to have to look this up. Keeps talking. I mean, Speaker Box to Love Below was 2003, because that came out during my freshman year at university. They were formed in 1992. Okay, so yes, definitely. But Miss Jackson, I think, more like around 2000. I'm going to say. 2000, 2001. Saying their critical and commercial success came from the mid 90s to 2006. So when was. Miss Jackson was 2000. Oh, so I was very close. Um, group B is Nacional, the Uruguayan ones. Independiente Medellín, Metropolitanos of uh, Venezuela. Venezuela, and Internacional uh, of <laughs> Porto Alegre. Ah. So there will be a Nacional against Internacional match. Yes, there will be, yeah. Um, group C, Barcelona, don't get too excited, it's the Guayaquil ones, Cerro Porteño of Paraguay, Bolívar of Boliv- uh, Bolivia, 
Yeah. <laughs> put the wrong stress there, but I was going for the correct word. I was just going to say it very peculiarly. And Palmeiras of São Paulo in Brazil. Group D is River Plate Fluminense, Sporting Cristal, uh, who edged out Huracan, I think, didn't they? In the yes. third round playoff. Correct. And the strongest. So a trip to La Paz lies in wait at some point. In fact, that will be their first match. Oh, that's their first game. Okay. Uh, so that's going to be next next week? On Ma- on Tuesday at 9pm Argentinian yeah. time, it will be... No, 7pm Argentinian time. Oh, great. Okay. In La Paz, yes. Well, that's going to be an enjoyable way to spend part of my birthday. Watching yeah. that. Group E, Argentinos Juniors. Anyone know what country they're from? The clues in the name, I think. Mm. Juniorlandia. Independiente del Valle, of Vallelandia. Liverpool, of Montevideo, Corinthians of São Paulo uh, are in that's that was group E. Group F is Boca Juniors, Colo Colo of Chile, Pereira of Colombia. Colombia, yes. Yeah. I was about to say Venezuela, but of course, yeah. And uh, Monagas from Venezuela, who are Venezuelan. So, oh, a Colombian side and a Venezuelan side mm-hmm. in the same group. That's going to be a nice group. And an Argentine side and a Chilean side. So that's just two relatively short halves combined yeah. with lots of much longer ones for them. Um, group G, Alianza Lima, Atletico Mineiro, Atletico Paranaense, and Libertad. Um, that's the only group in which there were there are two teams from the same country, right? Because one of them, I think, Mineiro is from the playoffs. That's yeah, why. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chacha Atletico Mineiro, of course. And Group H, Atletico Nacional, Olimpia of Paraguay. Melgar of Peru, and of course those Copa Libertadores stalwarts, the team that we're going to probably forget on several occasions are even involved in this Copa Libertadores, but who very much do deserve to be there, Patronato de la Juventud Católica. Now, I would forgive you if you listened to that and thought, hang on, what the fuck are Patronato doing in the Copa Libertadores, having forgotten that, of course, they won the Copa Argentina last year, and that's why they are in. Um, the, therein comes Liam's second question of our uh, very uh, strangely laid out <laughs> listeners' questions uh, section this week, which is, is Patronato Stadium up to Libertadores standards or will they have to play elsewhere? I assume the latter. I, personally, Sam speaking again here now, don't know, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and look over in Dan's direction and hope that he's got something to tell me about this. Uh, they will not be able to play at the home stadium. Okay. Where are they Here at least, play? it's marked Santa Fe, which I assume will be Cologne Stadium. Hmm. There we go. Yeah. There's the answer. And that definitely meets Commodore standards because it hosted one leg of the final of the Sudamericana a few years ago, didn't it? Indeed, yes. It's complicated because I assume that the team is not the same as they had when they were in first division and if even apart from that having to play some other way some other place uh, well. I mean <laughs> from Paraná to Santa Fe it's literally yes, of course, but a bridge to cross oh true of course yeah, yeah. right in front of each other right across from each other on the river right? indeed the Paraná um, funnily enough yes indeed yeah. uh, so the first Argentine involvement Andres has already told us that River visit the strongest Next Tuesday at 7 o'clock, Argentinos host Independiente del Valle at the same time. Um, so that's going to be their first matches in that one. 
I'm just looking down the list now and trying to pick out the Argentine ones. Patronato will make their Libertadores bow at home or Ooh. in neutral territory. Almost home. Um, to Atletico Nacional on Wednesday at 7, that's the 5th of April. Nublense, immediately after that, will host Racing at 9 o'clock. All of these kickoff times, by the way, are Argentine, obviously. Um, not necessarily the same time zone, but these are all just the Argentine time zone kickoff times. Um, then, those are the only two matches for Argentine teams on that night. Um, Boca visit Monagas on Thursday evening at 9. And that's it. Yes, because... Oh, hang on. Did we read? Yes, Argentinos are playing at the same time as Rivera are mm -hmm. next Tuesday. Um, Would you like me to read out the Sudamericana groups? Give you a voice or us? Oh, sure. Go on. Since I've got it up. Yes. Uh, group A of the Sudamericana. Liga de Quito, or Ecuador. Brazil's Botafogo. Universidad César Vallejo, of Peru. And Magallanes, of Chile. Group B. Here we have an Argentine visit. Discipline. Emelec of Ecuador, Guarani of Paraguay, Uruguay's Danubio and Huracan, the consolation prize for their Copa Libertadores elimination. Group C sees Estudiantes, Bragantino, Oriente Petrolero and Tacuari, Brazil, Bolivia and Paraguay respectively. Group D we have another Argentine participant and the replaying of an old grudge match, I must say. Sao Paulo, Deportes Tolima, Tigre, oh. and Puerto Cabello. Hepo. Puerto Cabello? Yes, Hepo in Venezuela. You've never so. heard of them. <laughs> I mean, it's the Sud group, so yeah. that, that's, that should be expected. But, yes. um, but Sao Paulo, Tigre could. Be spicy, yeah, considering, um, what was it, yeah. 2011, the Sudamericas final? 2012, final. because yeah. I was on a plane during it. Oh. I didn't fly anywhere in 2011. Hopefully, the Sao Paulo will get a nice warm welcome to Victoria. Yeah. Ooh, then Group E has Santos, Newell's Old Boys, Blooming of Bolivia, and Audax Italiano, not of Italy, of Chile. Mm. Okay. Group F, Pink. Ooh, this is an... Spicy one as well. Peñarol, Defensa y Justicia, American Meneiro, and Misionarios. Not River, this is Colombia's Misionarios. Well, that could be, for Sudamericana yeah. kind of standards, potential group of death stuff. In fact, particularly, particularly so, since so. only one goes through, yeah. yeah. Um, although here it has the first place team in blue, which I mean, which I assume means automatic qualification, and the second team in green. So I will scroll down to the key afterwards and find out what green mm. means. Anyway, Group G. Santa Fe of Colombia, Bogotá, yeah. Universitario of Peru, Goyosh, how do you like that sound? My Portuguese accent sound. Beautiful. Thank you. Flawless. That's Brazil, of course. And Gimnasia, who I've completely forgotten were in the Sud Americano. Oh, yeah, so did I. And last but not least, Group H, San Lorenzo, Palestina, not of Palestine, of Chile. Estudiantes de Mérida, Venezuela, and Brazil's Fortaleza. Uh, and what does green mean on this key? Is anyone going to tell me? Ah, apparently. So there are eight groups. Yes. Um, eight teams go through to the last 16, the top, the top teams. 
and the second place teams go into a playoff. Oh, okay, so it's similar to the European. It's a complete copy season. of the UEFA Cup, yeah. uh, Europa League, whatever it's called now. So they'll meet the eight third place teams from the Libertadores for the right to go into the Sudamericana last sixteen. Yeah, I don't. I still don't like it, but it's slightly better than just dropping them directly into the knockouts. The, the the last 32 or whatever it was they were doing. Yeah, and it's nice to give the second place sort of many kind of teams a chance because it's quite harsh to, yeah. you know, if you finish second after six games in a full team group, it's, like, it's harsh to mm. be left in empty-handed. You, you deserve a second chance, I think. So that's the sort of many kind of, um, I can't see dates on this particular I think site. That, if I remember right, I think that gets, away, gets underway in the last week of April. Probably kick off later than the Libertadores. I'm not sure, but I think it does. Let's oh, hang on, no, this has. Oh, this also has the 4th of April as the first match, it's on Sofa School. Um, so, not sure what that's oh, yeah. last week. Yes, so it does kick off next week mm. as well. Yeah, I'm not sure that there are no matches, in fact, during the last week of April. So, yeah. so well, can really I'm sure what, what it was I read earlier, or what I thought I'd read. Yeah. And Wikipedia doesn't have any. Dates or times at all, so there you go. But yes, they will be in action next week. All of the teams I just mentioned. You've heard it here first, if this Ish. is your only uh, source for South American football. And if it isn't, then you probably didn't hear it here first. Um, anything else? I feel like we're missing or forgetting about something. Uh, we did have some games at the weekend, which were Copa Argentina. Oh, yeah. One on Saturday, which I mentioned earlier. Boca squeezed past... Uh, Federal A Olimpo, no? Or did they get promoted again? Oh, good question. Because they had come right down after, you know, their heyday in um, in the top flight. Olimpo are in Federal A, Group yes. A of Federal A. Same as you, the Bolivar, right? They won the yes, team that lost That's in. sort of less surprising, I think, because mm. they weren't very good. Um, and yes, Independiente and uh, interim coach. Pedro Monson, because they sacked Leandro Steritano. I can't remember if we mentioned it last week, but no, we, we probably did. We must have done, because I, I do. I like pointing out these um, yeah, miserable things for, uh, for Independiente. For Independiente. Yes. Uh, they won 3 0. Yes, they did. Yes. Uh, if Sofa scores. No, Sofa scores formations can't be believed, can they? Of course, they, they, they. According to this, Ciudad Bolivar had their right back wearing number eight, their left back wearing number seven, and midfielders wearing numbers three and four, and a striker wearing number five. I mean, if that really is the case, then even if those are the, those guys actually. But do they have they the? To, to lose. Do they have the right player that wasn't off? Because uh, I I read that he, which is not something that surprising, uh, uh, works in a cash washer uh, shop. Uh, what? Uh, he wash, uh, washes uh, cars. In, uh, oh, car wash. Yes. Like cash wash, like money laundering. <laughs> so you shouldn't be that upfront about that, surely. Yeah. Um, Alfredo Troncoso is his name, apparently, according to this. Um, at. At name, I think, if you understand. <laughs> Spanish insults. Yes, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Lucas Cochete is the, according to this, the left back wearing number seven, so probably actually a right winger. Um, for some reason, that's making me. It, I feel like I recognise that name, but they don't have a profile. For Walter Cochete. Ah, that's right. Yeah. The former Lanús. Familiar last name, but not the same player. Well done. 
Um, so yeah, those two matches have happened in the Copa Argentina, and we're still awaiting lots and lots of other matches in the round of 64, the 32ths of final, um, to be scheduled yet. I don't think there are any that are currently scheduled coming up this week, or next, well obviously they're out this weekend, because this weekend we're about to league action. And on that nice. note, I think, let's just triple check that we haven't had any more listeners' questions. I don't think so. We haven't, so thank you very much for yours, Liam. We hope we've answered them to your satisfaction. And if you come back after this music, you will hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the league weekend that we're still a few days away from because we're recording a day earlier than normal. Here we go. We begin on the 30th. Which is tomorrow, Thursday. Just as well we are recording earlier. Tomorrow there's matches? Yeah. Oh. There are two matches tomorrow. Oh. Those are Defensa y Justicia versus Belis Sarsfield, which I think will be a draw. And Argentinos Juniors versus Godoy Cruz, which it feels like it might be several years since I last said this. I think I've Cruz away win. They're actually, they're right next to each other at the table at the moment. Right. Godoy Cruz are one point better off. Um, but, yeah, no, I just, I'm going to predict a Godoy Cruz away victory purely for the, the novelty yeah. of doing so. All we know is it's not going to be a draw, because mm. Godoy Cruz never draw. No, indeed. Uh, they have played eight matches, won four and lost four so far. So, Beautiful symmetry. Yeah. And seven goals scored, seven goals conceded. Yeah. Very. Neat. On Friday evening, Estudiantes host Newells, and I think it will be a Newells win. And Rosario Central host Gimnasia, whose last match, of course, was the Clásico victory, the first mm. one in 13 years. And I think that Gimnasia will get another victory to go with that one. And also on Friday evening, River are in action at mm. home to Union. So don't go to Belgrano unless you're going to that match on Friday. If my girlfriend was still working in her office job, I'd be talking. Anyway, it won't be so messy or so complicated as it was last uh, Thursday, in which I think it no. was. I think Tony said that the, the streets shutting down the streets. Yeah, we're close one night, night before. Yeah. before yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a river win in that one. Barraca Central are at home to Boca at half past five, half past three on Saturday afternoon, which again. Also, it's not quite as unusual as River playing on a Friday night. Obviously, this is because of Libertadores matches on Tuesday and Wednesday for them. Um, I'll go for a Boca win in that one. In Martino's first match in charge, I guess. No, I uh, doubt he will be in charge. No, even, even if he signs, there we, it will be Mariano around as the, I think, the coach in that match. I'll go for a Boca win. San Lorenzo host Independiente in an all big five clash. I think San Lorenzo will win that one. Racing. Are at home to Huracan. Oh, that could be one of the better games of the weekend, couldn't it? Mm. I'll go for a Racing... Will I go for a Racing win? Yes, I'll go for a Racing win. They've got home advantage. Tigre versus Lanús, I think, will be a Tigre win with new Italy international Matteo Rategi probably scoring. Instituto versus Tacheres. Ooh, Cordoba Derby. Not the Cordoba Derby, but a Cordoba Derby. A Cordoba Derby will finish in an Instituto win. Colón versus Atlético Tucumán is going to be a draw. Banfield versus Platense. Oh 
go for a draw there as well. Belgrano versus Sarmiento, the um, Clásico Procerense. They don't watch <laughs> match of the weekend. Um, yes, don't bother. Well, it's on Monday at 8 o'clock in the evening, so, you know, pretty easy one to avoid. Um, I'll go for a draw. And Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero versus Arsenal de Sarandí is going to be a Central Cordoba win. Don't watch that one either. Probably not. No. Go out on Friday, have fun, forget there's a sport called football. Yes, although that would mean that you'd be missing River versus Union, which potentially on is going on to be... On Monday? Well, you said on Friday. Oh, but Friday. I meant Monday. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Go out and get drunk on Monday night, as, as people always do. The best way to start the week. Indeed. Um, for now, however, I think that's your lot. Thank you very mm. much indeed for listening. For another week, we will be back in your ears... Uh, around about this time next week maybe a day later thanks and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye English Dan goodbye and me thank you and goodbye